What's good, everyone? This is Dr. Nee. Thank you for tuning in. Very excited to give you the eighth episode of the month. This breaks the record. We haven't hit this amount of content that's been coming out. And that's because we've been interjecting a lot of content related to pop culture. Obviously, there's a lot of things related to physicians, things that are related to healthcare out there that we just need to be offering our opinion on. So that's what I've been trying to interject in more this month. And I hope y'all like it. Let me know what you think. I want the feedback from you all. And you know how to reach me. You can reach me through Instagram or you can reach me through email. But yeah, that's what we've been doing. I also want to thank the day ones, people who've been with us from day one, people who have been rolling with the podcast through multiple iterations. And I just want to say thank you to you all for your patience. Thank you for just kind of putting your faith in the show because the show, you know, when we started off was really, (laughs) man, those early days. But listen, thank you very much. To the new folks, I just want to say welcome. This is a community that, you know, we want to continue to cultivate. So thank you if you discovered us through, you know, someone else on social media, someone to share this with you. You know, we're going to continue to give great episodes on docs who are doing extraordinary things, but also putting in our input on things that are going in pop culture. So I hope y'all continue to listen. I hope y'all continue to share this with other people because the community is getting bigger. We're getting more and more downloads. People are jumping on. So listen, keep spreading the word. I really, I really, really appreciate it. Now on this episode, I want to start off by just saying that, you know, when I was younger and I wanted to be a physician and definitely as I got older, I think one thing that I've always heard and it made me feel really comfortable about going into medicine is, is that you'll never lose your job. You'll always be useful in healthcare, whether you are a pharmacist, whether you are a nurse, whether you are a doctor, whatever you are, if you go into the realm of healthcare, you're going to have the ultimate job security. Look, 2020 with coronavirus and with all the other things has shown us that nothing, there is no such thing as job security. There's no such thing as security in general. For the most part, if you're relying on someone else to provide that for you, you have to do it on your own, right? And with all the news of so many different furloughs, nurses being furloughed, doctors being furloughed, we're talking about, you know, dentists, plastic surgeons, whatever you can think about, nurses, people are just being either, you know, let go or being furloughed. These are things that I just never thought of. I'm sure you never thought would happen. So I'm bringing on Dr. Guy Kazarian our friend from Physician CEO, who has been supporting this podcast for a significant period of time. Dr. Guy Kazarian started the Physician CEO program. It's a business immersion program out of Northwestern University, the Kellogg School of Management. And it's a dope program. If you want to learn a whole bunch about branding, if you want to know about finance, if you want to know everything about business to make yourself a better person, to make yourself a better business person, to take the steps that you thought you ever wanted to take, This program is for you. So we're going to talk about the changes that COVID has made to the Physician CEO program, but also more importantly, we're going to go and dive into really where you as a physician can jump in and really take advantage of what's going on right now, right? We're going to talk about what happened in 2008 and 2009 and some of the major companies that took advantage of the downturn and are now like major players. I'm talking about Uber, Airbnb, Slack, what have you. We're going to talk about how doctors can use that as an opportunity to dominate their space also. This is a great conversation. I think you all should definitely listen. Make sure you share this with someone who you think will definitely benefit from this, all right? Without further ado, I present Dr. Guy Kazarian, who is Physician CEO. Let's get it. Hey, Dr. Guy. Welcome back to Docs Outside the Box. How you doing? Great. It's great to be here. Great to see you again. 
Yeah, well, it's good to reconnect with you. Definitely different times. You know, COVID is obviously dominating everything. And I know that it's uh, in some form or fashion has affected physician CEO as, you know, majority of educational institutions. So it'll be interesting to get your perspective on that. But we're going to talk about maybe some of the opportunities that doctors can take advantage of during COVID-19 and some of the lessons that you're going to teach, you know, future students or current students. So I'm really excited to have you back on. Also wanted to thank you for continuing to support this podcast. I know that the support has been very helpful to help grow our audience because of your support. But also at the same time, I know we've sent some students, people who have listened to the show, have listened to the advertisements, have listened to your interviews and have decided to take the course and have really enjoyed it. So this sounds like a really great partnership. Well, thanks, Nia. It's great to be with you. And, I, you know, the reality is that uh, we're very much aligned on our purpose, aren't we? We're taking doctors who are such exceptional people, such extraordinary people, and we're giving them empowerment to do more, to do what they really want to do. Almost all of them, my colleagues anyway, have something in their heart that they've said, oh, I'd love to get to that. I wish I could do that. And the reality is, this is the time they can do that. And so you're kind of giving them that nudge. We're giving them the skills and uh, the alignment's perfect. You're doing such an incredible job with this podcast. I listen to your episodes. I really enjoy them. Far arranging and the scope and the concepts and the topics, but they all bring it home to doctors making a difference. Oh, yeah. And it's really great. So, no, it's a pleasure to be partnering with you on this and we look forward to doing more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let's get down to it. So how has COVID-19 affected Physician CEO? When it first started, we sensed what was coming and... You know, the class this year for 2020 comes from five continents. We have uh, four people from South Africa. And so those are long flights. People have to do logistical planning long in advance, people from Asia. And we had to really work with them on the logistics. So when we anticipated that Kellogg was going to have to shut down, the schools were going to have to shut down, we preemptively communicated with them and worked with Kellogg to just move the schedule one year forward. And so the, the program will pick up, actually Kellogg is opening in August, you know, just a month. And so that'll, you know, open up their activities. What we've done in the meantime with the class of 2020, they're kind of getting a benefit out of it, which I think in many cases around COVID, people who are paying attention have been able to turn it into a positive. So we've worked really hard to do that. So what we did with this class was we built a series of um, value-add programs that go beyond the normal curriculum of physician CEO and brought in timely topics, like leading in the time of crisis, or you know, looking at arranging payments and cash flow in the whole context of getting the government assistance and the PPEP program. Yeah, that's yeah. Insane. And so we've brought in real experts on those topics, and we've had some great webinars. And what we've also done is we involve the alumni in those. So we're building this incredibly powerful alumni network that's getting to get, know the current class. And it really worked out well. So the class is going to pick up in person this year's class with module two for next year. The class for 2021 is enrolling faster than normal years. So this is our seventh year now. So we have enough to get a pattern about how things typically come in. And, you know, we're about 30% ahead of where we've been in any other year in terms of enrollment. So I think doctors are recognizing. What's that telling you that people aren't enrolling faster? What do you think? Why is that happening? I think that there are people who recognize the opportunity in times of change. I think with COVID, we have a crisis. It's a classic crisis, unexpected, serious consequences, risks on several fronts, regulatory, reputational, financial, and it's a classic crisis. 
And crisis, you know, there's that old saying from Winston Churchill, it's been borrowed by a lot of politicians, but never let a good crisis go to waste. And the reason why they say that, although it can be a rather abrasive comment, the reason why they say that is because when you have a crisis, people are willing to change. When everything is fine, it's very hard to get people to change. But when there's a crisis, then people suddenly are accept, or receptive to change, they'll accept change. And so what I think a lot of people recognize is that in this time of COVID, that's disrupted so many things, there is an opportunity to change. So capture that opportunity and do something with it. And I think that's why people were suddenly saying, hey, let me get more business training so I can figure out how to implement that change. Have you had to do some counseling? Because I'm sure like the doctors who, for example, the ophthalmologists, plastic surgeons, even the orthopedic surgeons, the surgical specialties that are most prone to being furloughed or having to close down their private practice, I'm sure this had to be a tough time for them. Like how have you been able to relate to them I'm sure, like you said, there's plenty of opportunity to jump into this like e-health, but I'm sure they've taken it the toughest because, you know, to some extent, some of their procedures can be urgent. So it could be done in a semi-elective or elective pattern. Well, it's, yeah, we've done a lot of counseling. We've had a lot of sessions on this. The skills that they learned at position CEO and they applied in their practices made the difference. So they had very good cultures with their staff. They were able to talk to them honestly. Their leadership skills were in place good transparency, good communications. Their financial house was in order. You know, we talk a lot about financial, you know, solvency and being able to protect yourself financially. So most people were able to just ratchet down on expenses, control their cash flow and come through it. Uh, None of the position CEOs have had any kind of a severe bankruptcy or anything like that. They've all come through it just fine. Negotiation skills have been very important. You know, be able to go back to your lease, your landlord to talk about the lease, Talk about your equipment leases, you know, let them know that they're better off to stay with you and get through this and make some adjustments than they are to lose that relationship. So those are the negotiation skills have been very important, be able to paint the bigger picture, which is what we try to do with our negotiations. And of course, all the things around, you know, branding and marketing, speaking to your patients, messaging around safety, changing your process and operations, of course, operations has been amazing. Operations, not in the sense of going to the operating room, operations, operations in the sense of, you know, patient flow, limiting waiting rooms. As you, you, I think you were there when we had the conversation about why do you have a waiting room? Mm, and yeah. you know, what does that tell your patients when you have a waiting room and you say to them, hey, you wait for me. It kind of is backwards, isn't it? Shouldn't we be waiting for them or if anything, no one waiting for anybody? Um, and, and now they're forced to change the flow of it, right? Because you can't have too many people in the waiting room anyway. So that's right. That's right. And so now that has caused that to happen. People first thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so much less efficient. You mentioned ophthalmology. The ophthalmologists have now come up with a new system that we helped to design. It's uh, with a company we work with that is telemedicine, and we call it modular exams. So the patient comes in for their imaging, because ophthalmology is all this digital stuff. It's all this very cool, high-tech digital imaging stuff. And so the patients come in, they get all their imaging done, including a live exam with a recorded slit lamp exam and all those things and fundus photographs to look at the retina. And then that gets uploaded to the cloud. And then the patient goes home and on their schedule, arranges a visit with the doctor to go through all those exams. And the efficiencies have increased about 30% from what they were seeing patients live. And they can do a better job. The people who have been through the program, who understand operations and understand the concept of, you know, diagramming all this stuff out, making the flow charts, have been able to come out of this much more efficient. 
than they were going in. And you have to adapt. You really have to adapt or you won't survive. So I think that having that energy there, like you said, not letting a crisis, you know, be wasted is really important. So I'd like to know, like, when do you think that, you know, you guys will resume? Do you think it's going to just continue to be virtual or do you think that eventually you guys will be having physical lessons at Kellogg again? Oh, yeah, they will absolutely have personal, you know, live sessions at Kellogg. The program is so high touch. You know, we work with everybody individually. The networking aspect of it, being able to come together and share ideas with each other. And then the idea of just kind of getting out of your own space and looking at your life and your practice from a distance. Those are all really important parts of the program. So Kellogg's opening in August. The next program doesn't begin until February. So there's plenty of time for them to get themselves back up to speed. They put all kinds of safety measures in place. They've changed classrooms around. They've taken out half the chairs. There's all kinds of you know, protocols in place to protect people, including the professors, some of whom are older. And of course, you know, we have a very controlled environment because the program is all inclusive. So housing and food and all that stuff is all right there. And that's all part of the program. So they've been able to do a great job. They've rearranged and refurbished a lot of the rooms around COVID protection surfaces, cleaning and all that stuff. It, you know, it'll be live. And it'll be coming right back into schedule in February. I'm quite confident that they'll figure this out. I found a article that listed, you know, Uber, Slack, Airbnb. There were some other companies that are really huge right now. And they started around 2008, 2009, around that time span when we were going through, you know, the Great Depression or the Great, you know, recession, excuse me. You know, obviously we're going through some really depressed times economically also. What are some opportunities that you think doctors can take advantage of or, you know, physicians within physician CEO where they can take advantage of, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's e-health or what have you, so they can dominate a field? I think it's a wonderful time for us and a wonderful time to be a doctor because what's happening is we're redesigning the practice of medicine. And how often does that happen? So uh, to be not able at to, all. <laughs> not at all, right? So, so <laughs> we can... Dogma, yeah. And so we can come in and say, you know, what should it be? And I always like to ask the question to people when they come to position CEO and otherwise, I say, why are you a doctor? And you tend to get two kinds of answers. One kind of answer is me, 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 I, I, I. You know, I want to help people. I want to do this. It's all about me. The other kind of answers are, I want to change the world. I want to have some impact. I think that, you know, the world needs to have more medical care, different medical care, better medical care. So it always then the conversation goes to the question, what would it take? And so the what would it take question becomes pretty moving for some people. Because let's say with me, I'm involved in blindness, needless blindness. My mission in life, besides physician CEO, is I want to be part of the effort to eliminate needless blindness on a global scale. So I'm involved in 501c3s and other things to really bring that training programs, hospitals, and everything else that we're building. It's about trying to eliminate needless blindness. If you look at that and say, okay, I can maybe do some cases or get some surgeons to fly out, that's an incremental change. But if you ask the question separately and say, what would it take to do that? You begin to think about system design, training programs, sustainability, economic resources, government alignment, social alignment. You start to think about all kinds of different perspectives that you wouldn't have if you're simply looking at your own little space and saying, how can I make the most out of my own little space? What COVID is causing us to do, just like the 2008 thing did was with the development of what you described as a share economy, you know, the Ubers and the Airbnbs that came out of that, out of the concept of a shared economy, making better use of resources that are just sitting there all the time and having that car drive more, having that house used more, right? Using that capacity, 
we can now look at our doctors as being that resource. So now, when like we're teaching eye surgery in Africa, and we were going over there every time and teaching them to do eye surgery in Africa, we're now linked with them with telemedicine. We're now working with them virtually. They can now be with them 24-7 from any time zone, and we can be with them in the operating room better than we can be when we're in the operating room with them because we can actually see what they're seeing. So when you look at the capabilities that are coming out of this in terms of telemedicine, system redesign, we're seeing some things on a regulatory level. You can now practice medicine across state borders with telemedicine. This is a temporary thing. Maybe it'll become permanent. Maybe we can get rid of this nonsensical state-to-state licensing thing that we have in the U.S. It's crazy. You know, why wouldn't you, if you're licensed in New York or in Philadelphia or in Pennsylvania, why shouldn't you be able to come to Arizona and practice without having to go through another hoop? You should be able to. So all of these things are going to come out of COVID. The thing that we need about this, though, the thing that we need is we need position leadership. Physicians have to drive this change because only we can really see the problems, identify the problems, articulate the problems, and propose solutions. It requires physician leadership. When I came and spoke to your class almost over a year ago now, you know, I was really impressed with the students. Obviously, I got an opportunity to meet some docs outside the box listeners who took the next step and jumped on. And that was neat. That was neat. That was really cool for them to do that. You know, but I was really most impressed by their vision. You know, they all had like this vision, like they're all thinking from a 30,000 foot view of, you know, what it takes, like you said, to build a system. What does it take to solve problems? And, you know, I think definitely, obviously, Physician CEO plays a major part in that. I think from my own example, you know, I think the biggest thing that I struggled with was taking what was a passion project of a podcast and wondering, well, what if I decided to do this full time or what if I decided to put more resources into this? You know, how do I make it so that obviously I can focus on, you know, doing really good interviews, but also at the same time, really focus on the systems that'll help get this show to really grow, i.e. social media, i.e. fundraising, i.e. all these different things that are involved in it, working with an assistant. Although I got my MBA, I think that even just being around your presence and seeing the energy that you were teaching helped me to kind of take more of a 30,000 foot view of what I can do with this podcast. So I just wanted to thank you for that. And I know that a lot of people hear the support that you're giving to the show. And I just want them to know that it's for real, right? Like we featured already two docs who have been working in the physician CEO plant, physician CEO program. So I'm a big supporter of it. I'm happy that we've been able to align. And, you know, I think that, you know, the whole point of what you mentioned about using doctors as like a shared resource is something I didn't think about. Like you said, in, in 2008, 2009, using cars, using homes, you know, whatever it may be as a shared economy, the same thing can happen with physicians and with 5G and 4G coming out. Well, 4G is already out, but 5G coming out, the ability, like you said, to telecommunicate with people in web conferences that much more easier. Definitely in third world countries, it's that much more ubiquitous too. And it is happening. It is happening. It's great to, you know, hear your perspective on the program and how it energized you as well. You know, you bring up a really important point. And that is that, you know, I have an MBA as well. You have an MBA. A lot of people have an MBA, different levels of business experience or training. What I learned in my MBA, great program at Kellogg, no problems with the program. They did what they were supposed to do, but it's about management. And management is fundamentally different than leadership. You know, management is inward focused, metrics oriented, getting the job done efficiently and well, keeping score, you know, being on time, whatever the deliverable is. That's management. It's inward focused. Whereas being a CEO and leader, is both inward and outward focused. It's about, you know, where are we going? What do we want to do with this enterprise? What's our purpose? 
what's our culture? You know, what don't we do? Because that's outside of our scope. What do we do? And what are we going to emphasize on doing well? Are we going to be efficient? Are we going to be intimate with the customer? Are we going to be product leadership? What are we going to do? How are we going to bring that to the forefront? And, you know, seeing what you've done with the podcast, you did what all leaders have to do, which is to recognize, here's the passion, here's the drive, here's what I'm good at, but here's what I need to learn. And, you know, a good leader is not afraid to do that. And, you know, what the funny thing is, you know, it's one of our professors, Harry Kramer, likes to talk about. There's no point trying to hide what you don't know, because everyone around you already knows what you don't know. So you may as well just own it and and bring people around you who do know that. And that's how you make an organization. And that's the difference between sometimes managing and leadership. Leaders, true leaders can bring in that transparency and make it work for them. And they can gather the resources they need to accomplish that mission because, you know, they do the three things that leaders have to do. They create a compelling vision. They set expectations and they help people to overcome their fear. And I think what we're trying to do with the doctors many times is help them to overcome their fear. That energy that you felt, you came at the last, at the end of the program. It's very different. You should come back for the whole program or come back for the first module. The room is very different in the first module. Everyone's coming together than it is in the fourth module where everyone's just already kind of at the end of their journey in developing that leadership. You were there in the fourth module. That energy takes some time to develop. And, and we talk about that as well, about how, We have to bring doctors out of their doctor mind and get them into their leadership mind and their CEO mind. It's a transformation. I want to end it off of this. This is something that I'm really interested in your perspective. How do you get the doctors to gain the confidence to create something on their own and learn to be successful with that? What I mean by that is just because you become a leader doesn't mean that necessarily if you're employed that you may be a leader within that hospital system that you're in. Maybe you may have to just go and create your own private practice, or you may have to create whatever type of, whatever it may be, you have to do it on your own. How do you get doctors to really understand that, you know what, wherever I am at right now may not be where I'm supposed to be. I need to do something different. And that's where my passion will take me, or that's where the success will take me. How do you get that confidence into their mind to take that first step? Because that's really difficult to do that on your own. Well, you hit the nail on the head, you know, as you always do. And it's about empowerment. And empowerment doesn't come from just, you know, being a cheerleader. Empowerment comes from delivering skills. It comes from delivering skills because there are real skills to leadership and there's real skills to understanding a business. As a CEO, as a position CEO, you know, you're not running the business. You're overseeing your managers. You're designing where your system is going to go and what your particular venture, whether it's a hospital or a practice or a startup or a podcast, you know, what its purpose is and where it's going to go. And so we bring people into the program that come in with a, an assignment to, decide, to describe their current state. You know, what does their practice or business look like today? We give them a template to fill out. And then we talk about it with them. And we say, where would you like to bring this? And where would you like to bring it in 10 years? There's a lot of psychology involved. First, do no harm. Follow a protocol. You know, being different is bad. You won't fit in. You know, do you, don't make mistakes. Oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah. Don't make mistakes, right? All of our training, our test taking, and everything else is about can we conform to what that system wants us to be? As a business person, particularly as a CEO, it's a completely different set of values. It's about differentiate. My goodness, be different. It's about innovate. It's about fail fast. It's mm. all these different things. It's, 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 you, you succeed in business by bringing innovation to the forefront. And so it takes time to get people through that. And we do it by helping them to separate in their mind their two psyches. When I go to the operating room, I'm all physician. When I'm running my business, I'm all business person. 
There's and a I, difference. I, yeah. There's some dra- dramatic contracts. And so it takes time for people to get that. But by the time they get it, you know, I've always said, this is a bias and I will admit that it's a bias, but I think physicians are very, very special people. I think they're extraordinary people. Uh, these are people who made a commitment to a passion at a very young age, and they worked at it to get into college, to get into medical school, to pass MCATs. They were in the library when their friends were at parties. They went through their 20s and sacrificed family and friends and material goods. They dedicated themselves hours, ridiculous hours of training, fatigue, stress. And they work for basically under minimum wage in my case. And they do this all the way until they're in their 30s. So they finally now can become, you know, able to use those skills. And why do they do it? To serve other people. This is not normal. Okay, I've got to tell you, I got to spend a lot of time with non-physicians. This is not normal behavior. Physicians are very, very special, extraordinary people. The most precious people, I think, among the most precious people that we have on the face of the earth. If you take these extraordinary people and you give them skills to do more, follow their passion, watch out. They're going to have a big difference. And what this program is all about is about uncovering that confidence and giving them that empowerment so they can do it. Boom. There it is. Well, look, Dr. Guy, thank you so much for talking and catching up with you. I think that message that you just left us with, we're definitely going to just leave off of that because that's perfect right there. For the audience, we're going to have the show notes. You're going to have links to find out more about Physician CEO there. Once again, I just want to say thank you again for continuing to support Docs Outside the Box. We've continued to grow and we definitely would not be where we are at right now without Physician CEO support. So thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to working with you in the future. Well, thank you, Nee. And you know, you keep up the great work because you're affecting a lot of people. I see them in the program. I talk to them. You're doing exactly what we want to do as well. And so it's a great alignment. Your impact is huge. And I know that sometimes when you're on a podcast or you're writing an article or whatever it is that we do, sometimes you don't really know who did it reach or did it reach anyone. And then, you know, 10 years later, someone will stop you on the street and say, you know, I heard that one particular thing or I read that one particular article and you changed the course of my life. I can't imagine how many lives you've changed through this podcast. So congratulations to you and keep up the great work. We'll continue to support you any way we can. Thank you. Thank you very much. 